Welcome to Tales from Baja. We are in Valle de Guadalupe today. We're at Deckman's, uh, a restaurant that I came to maybe four or five years ago with a couple of my friends, Paul and, uh, and Pat. Pat. And it was one of my first experiences to Valle de Guadalupe. I think it, it's a good place to start. <laughs> and we're here with the executive chef of Deckman's, Drew Deckman. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Like I said, for me, having my first experience in Valle, uh, overnight experience in Valle, to be able to come to Deckman's. And you don't remember this, but we sat right next to the grill. Okay. We were watching you the whole time. I was just kind of blown away with the whole concept because you just don't see this in san diego where we live an outdoor concept yeah probably because it's not on. legal <laughs> 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 that's possible <laughs> yeah but it was, it was amazing and we came for a dinner and i was telling adriana the sun sets over the mountains here so it was beautiful you know the sun was right setting yeah we've got one of the nicest sunsets in the valley we're up a little higher looking with west facing so it's it's gorgeous it's, yeah it's the the, the golden hour for sure. Yeah, yeah. it's fabulous. So. I, I, I like the property because I've noticed that a lot of the the trees and the 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 plants are uh, mature. You know, a lot of a lot of the places that we go to sometimes everything's still a baby. Sure. But then that's what I that's what I said. I'm like, ah, oh, mature. Yeah, the Badan family came here. I think they purchased the original parcel into the 1940s. Oh wow. And wow. moved here full time in the 1950s. Uh, Natalia Badan, who's the current owner, um, her father planted the olivares, the, wow. which at one point was the largest uh, olive grove in North America. Wow. Uh, same with all the carob trees that are here. Uh, the original parcel was above 15,000 acres. Wow. And oh. now it's, uh, it's right at 2,500. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, so you look at like the, the, we're sitting underneath the eucalyptus tree that was planted in 1956. I love uh, it. The pine trees, the garden, the, the, the largest aloe vera I've ever seen in my life is, is right in front of our terrace. And it's, mm. this was, uh, <clears throat> this was the family's garden. Wow. And, and now it's, uh, you know, we get to, you know, one of the things I like to say is it's, uh, Money can buy you a lot of things, but it can't buy tradition and history. Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, that's one of the real real privileges we have here being being in the, the you know, Familia Badan uh, really allowing us to, to come in and, and share their world. Right, mm-hmm. right. Well, we, we do want to talk about the history and tradition of Valle de Guadalupe before we kind of get there. Uh, I think we, we probably need to start about and talk about COVID, you know, and how that's What's that? you and the restaurant and what's that yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> i know i know it's been a challenge for everybody um what have you learned over the last four months i mean my, my children's names <laughs> uh you know it, it was uh i remember i did an event in uh february in california um and, and I remember sitting at breakfast with some of my team members, and one of the, the guys is an Australian guy, uh, and, and he, every day at break, it was like a, we were there at 10 days doing this event. It was in Johnson Valley, and, and every day he was talking about COVID and COVID and the cases, and now they've reported the first one, they've got, and, he, and he's like, he given us this, and, and at that point it just seemed so, mm-hmm. so far away, mm-hmm. right? And then a month later, the world shuts down. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was in Las Vegas, literally did, I cooked for the Mint 400 uh, with the same team that I cooked with in February, and three days later, Las Vegas shut down. 
So we had like the last massive gathering. And at that point, we were already taking all the precautions necessary. Uh, We were all wearing face masks. We were just disinfecting everything. Coming back here, you know, the idea, Mexico never really took, took Mexico a long time to figure out that that they're going to be part of the deal too, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, prior to our closing, which we closed before the government suggested we should mm-hmm. and actually encouraged the government to close us down. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were already, you know, we had contacted Kofi uh, Paris uh, mm-hmm. and said, what should we be doing? Um, and so we, you know, we already, before we closed, we were not presetting the tables. We were disinfecting the silverware. We were, uh, you know, taking, wearing, wearing face masks. Um, and then we made the decision to close. It was, it was a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, an, an unknown for sure. Um, nobody could say how long we were going to be closed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So ah, it's just going to be for a couple of weeks, and then month two, and month three, and then month four, and now we're on week seventeen. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so this is our third weekend open uh, mm-hmm. since we reopened, uh, and it was really, you know, during the the closure we went between, hey, it's great to have a vacation, mm-hmm. to like this desperation. Mm-hmm. Uh, to really, really getting work done, uh, fixing things mm-hmm. that that we could never fix because we were always in operation. Right. Yeah. And uh, and at the end, you know, we were able to to pay our staff uh, for some of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we did donations because uh, mm-hmm. our gardens were still working. Mm-hmm. So weekly, we we'd give baskets of food to our families, mm-hmm. uh, our employees, mm-hmm. for about. A month and a half, we cooked food daily, so they could come and pick up hot food for uh, up to four people per employee. So just basically, they can always count on a meal. Nice. Uh, we did some donations for families of fishermen and the community here the, through some donations, and and we provided the the work. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the end, looking back, it really it was it's sort of a hidden gift, mm-hmm. uh, just to have you know. Literally, I spent time with my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to know my wife better. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, they were excited to have you. Yeah, I think for a while they were probably. Uh, you know, it, I think all of you're us, still here. You no, know, I think all of us are going through that. Like you know, Dominic, he works from from home, and now every every week I ask, "When are you going back to the office? Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. are you going?" <laughs> Eventually, we're like, "Okay, we love you, but, uh, but when are you going back? Go back to the office." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're married. Adriana and I are married, and I think we're gonna make it now that we've been at the sure. house for. Right? Four or five months. They say to to, to, to to guarantee <laughs> your relationship works, you have to do a road trip together, uh-huh. right? Travel together, yep. uh, build a house together, uh-huh. and now it looks like go through quarantine together. That's right. Right. So it's just a new yeah. one's added to the list. Right. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, it really was a it was a it was a hidden gift. Mm-hmm. We really were able to to go back to um sort of some of the original ideas that were that were put in place here when we opened Deckman's. This week we're going to celebrate Sunday is eight-year anniversary. Oh, congratulations. Uh, That's incredible. We opened uh, 19th of June, 2012. 
Um, and and really, we were a victim of our own growth for quite a while. Um, uh, we, we got away from some of the original ideas, got away from from the intimacy that, that, that I felt when, you know, the first three or four years that we were open. And... And it was it was something that we had already sort of planned on doing before the quarantine, mm-hmm. um, sort of trying to go back to, you know, downsizing really, mm-hmm. and and so it 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 sort of forced us to go through uh, with with our with our intentions, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, it's really given us some um, uh, some new insights, mm-hmm. some some you know breathes definitely some fresh air into the into the business. Uh, uh, staff coming back extremely hungry to work yeah. and motivated after sitting you know it's like I've seen everything on Netflix yeah, yeah. right there's, there's <laughs> nothing I haven't seen right. so uh, you know I've worn the paint off of my remote control <laughs> kind of thing uh, so one of the things I did is I, I bought a guitar my oh, whole wow. life I've been nice. wanting to learn how to play guitar and and so I bought a, a an Epiphone acoustic electric guitar and just started Doing online classes and yes. and uh, are, are you are you on, are you on Stairway to Heaven yet? No, no, I'm still on on scales really, uh, but uh, but I've got the calluses G on my chords, fingers and no. chords, C chords. exactly, yeah, and uh, and uh, you know I like to make up my own songs with the three chords that I know. Nice, and uh, and that makes me feel like I'm a musician. Yeah. Good, just you know you can just play them faster or slower. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what kind of music do you like? Uh, blues, uh, a lot of jazz. Um, same. Folk music, John Prine, mm-hmm. uh, Todd Snyder, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of music, Neil Young, yeah, cool. uh, old soul stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. you like Petty? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Guitar-wise, for sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We actually saw him play. Gosh, like it, was it was in San second, Diego. It was a, his second last show. Yeah. So oh wow. He, went, he yeah. went from San Diego, and then he, and then his last show was L at Los Angeles, and then he. And then he passed away. And then he yeah, passed and away. Wow. Yeah. Weeks after, he yeah. sounded great and he looked great. Yeah, you never know. We have we have time. been we have been uh, listening to a lot of jazz. Dominic for Christmas got a uh, record player, and oh cool, yep, back to vinyl, ba- baby. back to vinyl. <laughs> and to me, the best records that that sound the best on vinyl are old like jazz. Sure, you know, that grittiness. Yep. It, it, it's just so wonderful. So now I buy a lot of jazz records, and it sounds so great. Cool on a record player. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of going back to COVID just a little bit, what have you seen or what do you kind of anticipate with the change in consumer behavior because of COVID as it relates to kind of the restaurant industry? Well, uh, one of the things that I was thankful and and, and, and somewhat surprised is how how prepared really uh, our customers, our guests were when they came to the restaurant for the first time after being in their houses. They understood that we have these filters. We explained everything on the phone uh, or through emails when they make the reservation. Mm-hmm. We've gone to only reservations, mm-hmm. no no walk-ins. We want to know who's coming. That's wonderful. Uh, we want to know where they're coming from. Yeah. Uh, you know, we take people's temperature at the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, we put a guy at the front desk that um, at the front gate mm-hmm. that uh, has a radio, and mm-hmm. if they don't have a reservation, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they don't they don't come through. Right. And um, <clears throat> and and. Then they go through sort sort of the the, the cleansing mm-hmm. thing, the the sanitation process, mm-hmm. and and people are thankful that mm-hmm. we're taking the yeah. the extremes that we're doing, and and people feel safe, and people have commented 
and also unfortunately have commented hey we've been to some other places here in the valley and they're not they're not just doing the same they're not going to the same extreme measures you know we've got somebody in the bathroom that that you know it's it's it's, they're positions that we never had before Mm -hmm. yeah so now we have we've we've sort of repurposed i guess would be the word or 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 change jobs for a lot of people yeah now we have a person that uh is in charge of the bathrooms Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. standing there telling people this is the entrance this is the exit it's only one-way traffic no more than two people in the bathroom there's already somebody in there you need to wait when that person leaves she disinfects all the faucets all the and then and then the next person can go in Mm -hmm. it's something we didn't have before isn't it amazing like just go back to february which seems like five years ago but you never would have thought of ever necessarily doing these things. Yeah, and we have we like have a, so we have a director of hygiene. We have a person that her only job is to be yeah. like this this like sanitation police and yeah. go around and tell, hey, your mask is below your nose, mm-hmm. and she checks. You know, we check the temperature of every employee that comes in. It goes into a logbook. Um, what time did they get here? How did they arrive? Mm-hmm. You know, whether they were on public transportation or came in their own car or carpooled and um you know we've now controlled the way people come in they, they can't uh, arrive in their work clothes they need to arrive in street clothes and then change into work clothes here it's just just things that when you when you look at them mm-hmm. we probably should have been doing it all the time yeah right I feel like that. W- I was just about to say that we talk about consume- consumer behaviors. I hear Dominic say that a lot because he's in media in the, in the United States, and obviously his office is now our kitchen. And so I hear all, all that word a lot: c- consumer behaviors. How what consumer behaviors are going to change? And I, I've got to say that I like some of those. Like I like the fact that when you go to a restaurant now that we almost like enjoy it and it's it's a longer experience because sure. we've been so like no, we don't go, 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 go. go. Yeah. we don't even have yes. time to disinfect our hands that's how that's how fast we've been mm-hmm. you know right. like we had to like teach ourselves how to disinfect and how important it was how long do we have to wash our hands the things that you know enjoying a meal yesterday we had a meal for three hours sure i told dominic i'm like you know i remember going to paris and being like we had a five-hour dinner yeah you know, which is normal yeah. right yeah i lived in For, europe 10 years and that's you know it's like what do you mean you had seven courses in 45 minutes I, right how'd you do that I, you know i'm just getting my muse and my champagne done right that's and, right yeah and it was and, and so i think that you know uh, I, I, there are some positives a lot of positives and i i i'm so happy that we came we originally were uh we were launching our our tales from baja tour and we started with a very small compliant group and um and and you know the cases are so high and the media it just it puts so much fear in people and the one thing we never want to do is talk anybody into coming you know however i wanted to make sure that we came because we want to support all of our partners and we want to be able to report back because that was the biggest is to come back and to be able to say, Oh my gosh, you know, it is safe. It's, you know what we, it's the, they're taking, it's as safe as we can make it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And then we're open air and we have dirt floors. You don't have to sanitize your feet. You don't have to, there's no recirculated air conditioner. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, in hindsight, we built the perfect, you know, I know. Uh, the 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 perfect I, pandemic restaurant, right. right? We have lots of you're space. We can spread out our tables as far as we want yep. to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 we grow our own food. 
mm-hmm. right. which, you know, we can control everything yeah. from seed to consumption. Yeah. And that, that really eliminates some of the risk and some of the, uh, in, in, in a lot of different ways, not right. just from a COVID contamination, yeah. but, right. you know, chemicals in your food, mm-hmm. uh, composting, sustainability, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and really having a, a complete custom sort of palette of, of ingredients that, that we design based on what we like to cook with. Yeah. You know, you, you produce a lot of your own you know, vegetables and food here. Had you ever worked at a, a property before like this where you were, you know, picking your vegetables and putting it on plates the same day? Um, yes. Uh, so uh, when I worked in Europe, every place that I worked were restaurants that had very large restaurant gardens. Uh, The Auberge de Lyon d'Or in Geneva, Mm. um, Paul Bocuse in Lyon, Mm. uh, Jacques Maximin in Vence. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then when I moved on and started my own, uh, you know, became in charge of my own kitchen, Mm -hmm. I insisted on planting a big garden. Mm. Uh, So we planted a garden. When I moved um, to another spot, we found a way to put a garden on the roof because mm-hmm. uh, it was in a city it was in an urban complex mm-hmm. um, and, and so it, it's it's something that I learned very early on mm-hmm. and if we couldn't grow it ourselves at least we sought people who were willing to custom grow for us mm-hmm. which was the case in, in Cabo because I didn't really have land that I could use mm-hmm. but I found some farmers that were growing for exporters and they had parts of their of their land where they could plant what we wanted and so we were we were able to create not only sort of customized uh foods for our restaurant but also sort of created a a, a preferred buyers network almost where mm-hmm. uh we identified other restaurants that had sustainable philosophies and to put them with these farmers that had the same philosophies and it was uh, ended up sort of being like the, the vegetable internet uh, which was, which was, and it was, a, it was a really fulfilling experience because we were able to get uh, some farmers that were maybe not being paid fairly uh, from these exporters for what they were growing because big buyer, small producer, uh, you know, it's the oldest story in in, in economic oppression, uh, and we were able to get some of these these smaller growers to actually stop selling to the exporters and increase their their margins their margins mm. because they were selling directly to restaurants yeah. at a higher price nice. uh and 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 working less yeah. so the land had you know the land could could relax some they they weren't you know overstressing plants they were and it was it was really it was a really beautiful experience for sure that's so cool so i know that you're from georgia right born in washington dc grew up in georgia georgia yeah and I know you've named you know several different locations around the world that you that you have worked, which are beautiful. So tell us, how did you end up in Valle de Guadalupe? Oh, and you've got you're such a in my car. <laughs> yeah. Okay. A long so you, drive. where were you? So where okay. Were you so yeah. From? So yeah. I. Uh, I love that. So it was sort of I, I bounced around for a while. So I went to uh, went to college in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, have a degree in philosophy. Oh. Which you know that's why I boil water for a living mm-hmm. because. You know what else? What else are you going to do with a degree in philosophy? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'd cooked. You know, the whole time when I was in high school, when I was in college, I cooked. Never mm-hmm. thought of it as, 
as going to be my job. Right. Uh, but it was something that I was pretty good at, enjoyed doing. Mm-hmm. So it was a way to make some money when I was going to school. Mm-hmm. And then got out and worked in like the real business world for a while. And, and, and then I woke up one day and was like, okay, I want to go back to the kitchen. Uh, so went back to the kitchen and worked, moved back home mm-hmm. with my parents mm-hmm. at like, you know, 22 years old, 23 years old, which was kind of weird. I did that too at that age. Yeah. Just for a little bit, just until I got to my, my next move. Yeah. I was, yeah. I was there for about a year, worked yeah, in Atlanta. Um, and, uh, and then had opportunity to go to Europe and I thought I was going to Europe for six months mm-hmm. and I stayed 10 years. Wow. Yeah. So I was in cool. France, Germany, Switzerland. Uh, my last uh, place in Germany was the Four Seasons uh, in Berlin. Uh, Four Seasons transferred me to Kona, Hawaii. So I stayed with Four Seasons for a while. And then from there, I moved to Cancun with Orient Express. And then from Orient Express, I became a, a private chef for an actor in Los Angeles. And then after doing that for a little bit, I didn't really... I wanted to go back to the restaurant world. Yeah. Well, in the meantime, I had become a pretty good fisherman mm-hmm. and really was enjoying getting paid to fish. Mm-hmm. Uh, so from there, uh, I moved to Cabo mm-hmm. because Cabo is a place where I could cook on a level I was accustomed to. And also, you know, 365 days a year, uh, there's a shot at some sort of a billfish. Um, in about... I'd say probably 11 years ago, 12 years ago, I visited the valley for the first time. Oh, so okay. And, 11 years ago, right. Okay. Uh, it was on a trip that Montechanique had invited some wine buyers uh, from Cabo, which mm-hmm. is one, it was one of my jobs when I was down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was my first visit. And, and literally that first time coming okay. over the hill in San Antonio, I was like, wow. Whoa. Like, I, I, I felt like, you know, maybe I'd been here before, mm-hmm. or it just felt different. Something, something. Had you heard? Uh, how much? I, I, did, I didn't. I knew fires. nothing. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. Uh, I just started to learn about Mexican wines. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first moved to Cabo, I didn't know that Mexico produced wines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was 16 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and. And I really enjoyed the visit, and then and then just started to come back more, and mm-hmm. first as a tourist, and then started doing some guest chef things, mm-hmm. and then started participating in some of the festivals, mm-hmm. and then um, uh, started. I worked as a consultant for Hugo uh, da Costa in mm-hmm. some of his wineries for a mm-hmm. couple of years. Uh, they also had a restaurant that I was helping them with, and then it was like. Um, I like this place enough that I think I want to be here on a on a more permanent basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the meantime, I had opened a restaurant in Cabo, mm-hmm. and in the summertime, Cabo is really slow, and in the summertime here, mm-hmm. uh, it's busy. Yeah. So this is a conversation that took place nine years ago, um, and it was like, well, uh, okay. I asked Natalia Badan for some advice. What do you think? There wasn't much going on at that point, and she said, "Why don't you just set up underneath my pine trees?" Oh my gosh, what a and place. and so the idea was, you know, it Deckman's was birthed as a pop up. Mm-hmm. It was never intended to be my full time restaurant. Mm. It was something to do for the couple of months when Cabo was, was really hot and there was there's no tourism. Mm-hmm. Um and and so the first year we did I think we did three months and I really liked it. 
really liked it. It was really hard to go back. The summer months you did like yeah, it was it was nineteenth uh, of July until like nineteenth of September, yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's sixty or that's sixty. Mm-hmm. That's sixty days, mm-hmm. not 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 three months. It's two, it's two months. Um, and then the next year I wanted to be here more, so we did six months here and and six months in Cabo. And did the Cabo restaurant stay open even in the summer when you weren't there? No. No. Okay. No. So it was, uh, we, we close one and open this one, close this one and open the other one. And after the second season here, I went back to Cabo and never reopened my restaurant. Wow. Because it, I went back and, and really just looked at it as, okay, how do I go full time mm-hmm. in the valley? And in May of 2014, came back mm-hmm. and, uh, and opened here full time, mm. and uh, and the best decision I've ever made. Oh. I think it was 2014 or 15. I can't remember is when I first visited. So it was kind of early on in your permanency here. Yep. that's pretty cool. Uh, just going back real quick to your your, you were a private chef for an entertainer. Can you share who that was? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I worked on uh, I worked on Mission Impossible Three. Okay. And I worked on I worked on. Uh, <laughs> Jungle fe- Jungle Fever, so you can you okay. can figure out whoever was in both of those films, um, uh, <laughs> spent uh, okay. spent Christmases in Telluride, nice. and uh, got to cook on a G4 and things like that. All right, wow. so our listeners can start googling now and try to figure it out. So it was it was an incredible experience. That's cool. Um, it really was. Uh, uh, it was a very generous, very generous uh, employer. Yeah. And I was able to go all over the place. I mean, we worked in Rome, we worked in Shanghai, um, went to the Seychelles, went, mm-hmm. you know, all kinds of places. And uh, Has this person ever come here? No. No. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe he'll hear the, Maybe the podcast. Maybe he'll hear this podcast, yeah. I sent him Christmas cards for a couple oh, of years. And come I, to Valle. And I, and I, got, I got responses, and uh, we just moved houses, and so I was going through a bunch of papers, and I found his... His holiday greetings yeah. uh, coming back to me, and so I was like, "Oh look, it's got the letterhead and everything." So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a cool experience because what it helped, uh, you know, working for Four Seasons for a while, you already become sort of celebrity mm-hmm. blind. You see them coming in all yeah, the time. Um, but being that close uh, to a lot of different people, mm-hmm. um, and I mean, like. Yeah. The people, right? Right. And uh, I remember uh, when we were in Shanghai, my trailer was like catty corner to Philip Seymour Hoffman's trailer wow. in Paz Descansa. Yeah. And uh, and so he would in the mornings, he was not he was supposed to be off cigarettes, mm-hmm. oh, half nicotine. right? And so he'd come and and sneak with me, go, hey, chef. And we'd stand there and we'd smoke a cigarette together before he got you know, he got called on set and uh, and, uh, and so you know that was it was things like that you just uh, you know you're you're making lunch for posh right mm-hmm. for right. Victoria Beckham yeah. and it's like yeah. and she comes in the kitchen and says that was a really good sandwich hey thanks you know and and I just it just like it just, it, just, <laughs> it just it just became really casual mm-hmm. and and I think that helps you know one of the things that we really pride ourselves on here we we do get a lot of people who are Right. Um, known, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like the word celebrity or whatever, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. people who are are known, uh, and we, they're just like anybody else. And I and I and I instill in my staff is like you 
don't ask them. We, we don't ask for pictures. We yeah. don't ask for autographs. Right. And we try to encourage other guests to leave those people alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, in some cases, we've we've published some pictures, like mm-hmm. when Gordon Ramsay was here right. and things like yeah. that, which yeah. which is cool because. Yeah. But he asked me. He came up and said, "Hey, can I take a picture with you?" That's yeah. so awesome. And I'm like, "What? Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> sure, <laughs> come on." And uh, he's a big dude. He's oh, huge. Is he? is he? Yeah, he's like yeah. four inches taller than I am. Oh my and, gosh, uh, that is so. I didn't so, realize that. I always thought he was a shorter guy. Yeah, no, he's I, he's big. Him, he's a he, a cool dude. It was yeah. really fun to have him here. Yeah. That's that's one thing that I've always loved about kind of like the overall vibe in in Valle is that uh, I call it almost like a rustic luxury, you know, like there you you still have ranch sexy. Yeah, ranch Ooh, sexy. Look at that. Yeah, like yeah, uh ranch ranch chic. <laughs> <laughs> um but no, and and it and it, it and it could really resonate with anybody. Does that make sense? Like if you if you we have we, we, I always say this. I have friends. I came from the. I was in the wine and spirits industry for uh, like a little over fifteen years. Okay. So I have a lot of, uh, you know, uh, friends that are used to you know, service from the best. You know, especially here in the on the West Coast. You know, you know San Francisco, Paso Robles, Napa, Sonoma, and you can have all of that here, but with a totally different and unique twist. And if you want to wear heels and you want to get, you know, we, we don't encourage that. Yeah, you can, as you know, as you see the women, the, the national Mexican women do. Yeah. And, and they, they ma- struggle when they come here. But it doesn't matter. They still come and they still have be- super decked out, long yeah. sleeves, even if it's 90 degrees yep. outside. Um, or you can just come here in your Birkenstocks and, you know, your sun, your, you know, your sunnies and your hat and, and just still, it, 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 and still feel comfortable. So it's, it's part of the uniqueness that, um, Valle has to offer. So I, I can, I can see how everybody here can feel comfortable despite the fact that you may have, you know, a celebrity here. And so. You know, one of our uh, friends who's also a listener of the podcast, he, he, he's, he's a fan of yours. Okay. And, uh. He sent me a few questions that he wanted yeah. me to ask. Okay, cool. It kind of relates, yeah. relates to, to what you, Adriano was talking about. But he was he wanted to know about the keeping the authenticity of Valle de Guadalupe. And and now that you've been here, you know, on and off for say ten years, you you've seen Valle in two thousand ten versus two thousand twenty and what it is. And obviously growth, it's grown up tremendously. How do you keep that authenticity, kind of that rustic feel to the valley with all the growth that's happened? You know, it's it's been one of the, the biggest discussions um, uh, really going on in the last two or three years, just this exponential growth mm-hmm. of, 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 of the valley that that's not necessarily welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for the first time, we started to see non-passion-based investment. Mm-hmm. Uh, people mm-hmm. coming in with the idea of just making money, turn and burn, mm-hmm. selling real estate, uh, and and all clothed in sustainability projects, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You, you you see, oh, we're going to do these ranchitos, and but we're going to make it look like we're a sustainable restaurant or hotel, mm-hmm. but really what we want to do is sell real estate, right? Right, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, you start getting places, there's a big winery on the other side of the valley that just came in and just threw just millions and millions of dollars. And it, and it feels like a, 
it it feels like a I don't know, sort of like a one of those factory wineries in in Napa where you yeah. go in and just get mm-hmm. sort of you know mm-hmm. animal animal corralled through right. the experience and 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 those are things that uh, that are changing really the vibe of the of the restaurant of the uh, of the valley um, the the state government uh, passed the the um, uh, a law limiting certain amounts of things uh, uh, limit people um, signage things like that it's now law mm-hmm. there's no vigilance so right right it's it's sort of you know uh it's one of those things yeah we've got the law but nobody's enforcing nobody's it enforcing um mm-hmm. but uh you know the only thing that that we can do really i think is 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 be a good example uh yes. lead lead by lead by example um we have the the real luxury of being sort of on an island here mm-hmm. um this is a big parcel of land right, right. Uh, we're not going to have a neighbor come in and do whatever they want next to us right. because it, as far as it, you can see it's the same it's the same owner mm-hmm. um and and yeah uh there's a couple of different schools of thought people mm-hmm. that have been here for a while want you know want the growth to slow down and want it to be more controlled mm-hmm. uh I don't think you can stop growth, yeah. uh, but I think you can steward it. Yeah. You can guide it, uh, limit it in in uh, uh, limited in scope, uh, limited in 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 style. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. And uh, yeah, so that's I think that's where we are right now. I think we're really at a at a at a crux that that uh what happens in the next this is sort of the 15 minutes in the next 20 years Mm -hmm. that's going to determine whether this turns into some disney world that loses its charm or we're able to keep projects like ours which is sustainable responsible zero kilometer um and more in that direction right Uh, and maybe I don't know. Maybe that's one of the benefits of this whole COVID and 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 where we are, where we're headed. And maybe I don't know. Maybe that'll deter some of these, you know, the plans of like, you know, really big, big the, the huge, huge projects. Which, by the way, we've been very blessed and lucky to have had the best on our podcast. And we've had a lot of people that have been here a long, long time. I mean. 20, I mean, True Miller's been out here for what twenty years. Yeah, she's years? she's she's cool. Like twenty two mm-hmm. years. Good One friend. of our yeah, and and we and, and you know even um, Terra Del Valle, they they bought their property when it was an orange orchard, about another twenty five years ago. And you look at the people that have been here that long and watched the change, and they're all for keeping it, slowing it down not having those like you were talking about the disneyland and the you know kind of kind of what's happened in napa yeah. you know Which well i mean it? you look at natalia Vadan, she's in her 60s and she said she never she left the ranch for the first time in her life when she was eight years old wow. right so that's cool so she yeah. like yeah. eight years of her life there was no need to leave the ranch wow. like never go to ensenada never and, and you hear stories like that, and it's like, wow, yeah, what yeah, a cool childhood, right? <laughs> and uh, and so you know, she's seen mm-hmm. changes that 
right. that just you can't even fathom. Yeah, I mean, you know? just in the you know six years yeah, that totally. we've been visiting, we just every time we come, we're like, "Geez, what? That's that's, that's new. new. What's yeah. that up on that? That's hill new over there." Yeah. yeah. So it's always you know the the one I've told this to Adriana before. I have this fear that we're gonna come to Valle someday and all these beautiful dirt roads are gonna be paved. It's already starting. And, and and I just like, how do you, how, I, I say we as if, you know, I live here, but it's like, how do we kind of stop that, you know, yeah. from, from happening? I mean, well, and I think that it's it's gotta be something that's a certain kind of tourism also can be part of the stewardship. Right. Right, and if, and if, and if you're a, you don't necessarily have to be a resident to be part of the Guadalupe Valley culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you as visitors, mm-hmm. but, you know, with the right point of view and right. can also encourage other people who are visitors yes. that have mm-hmm. like-mindedness yes. to, and, and, and go to the places that yes. are sustainable and see the future as opposed to just places that are developing that are turning into bars and right. nightclubs and right. and you know just overflowing with people which is fine great i'm happy those people have successful businesses but it shouldn't be in guadalupe valley right, mm-hmm. right. no yeah, it just it just doesn't fit with the model of what made this a popular place that's right um and what happens is that original wave of people and even you know i start hearing people that live here who have lived here for 20 25 years saying i'm looking for someplace else to go mm-hmm. that's when you start going okay we we have an issue mm-hmm. there's yeah. there's there's whole scale changes that uh uh that are that are that are affecting daily life in the valley mm-hmm. and and it just it needs to be it needs to be sort of uh you know that 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 that's um that I went to I I I'm Colombian but I was I went to all my schooling was in Texas and I went to college in Austin. Okay. And, Great town. Yep. And then that happened to Austin. No right? drugs like, there. Like you know in a red state we're all the hippies everybody you know everybody loves A and M all of us that were you know all the uh, you know very liberal you know you know city in this pretty conservative state we used to say you know keep Austin weird that was the whole right, thing sure. right. And the same thing, they've gone through major changes where it really like, pushed a lot of the people out because everybody started coming in from California. Yeah, the same thing's happening in Nashville. I mean, yeah. in any really progressive place, mm-hmm. uh, it, it becomes cool. Yep. And then it becomes gentrified. Exactly. Right? And then it's like, all right, we got to find a new, we, got, we have to create a new cool place. Right. Right? Right, right. Um, well, you so, want to ask the other, we have another qu- listener no, question. Go for it. So we have another listener question. <laughs> if you had to choose... Size 10 and a half. <laughs> <laughs> That's a little Monty Python joke, right? Remember the yeah. firemen yeah. and they'd, they're on the phone and then and they'd take off a shoe and they'd say what size their shoe was and then they'd keep on with the conversation <laughs> and it went through a bunch of... It was That's a great skit. Sorry. <laughs> if you had to choose one, would you rather be fishing or behind the grill? Oh wow, you know there's kitchens on boats, <laughs> and I've worked on several boats that have grills. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd rather be grilling on a boat. Great, grilling on that a boat. That is a great, so, great yeah. answer. So, and the, that's the one thing I don't have here is rod holders. Uh, but this is definitely this is this is our boat now, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And we fish in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and 
you know, one of the things that I really enjoyed living on boats for, for a bunch of years is if any time there was a amount of stress, you just kind of walk out, lean against the gunnel and just look out yeah. at the ocean. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I have the same ability to do that here. Mm -hmm. uh, look at the vineyard, yep. turn around, look at the mountain, yep. uh, go look at the moon or the stars if it's yep. at night. So it's not dissimilar mm -hmm. uh, yeah. to, uh, uh, to to working on a boat other mm -hmm. than, you know, we don't have a saltwater issue. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and no... Uh, yeah, no fish, just different kind of animals. But, but they come in boxes. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. From not too far away. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there's a lot of growth in, in the valley, but we've also seen growth in the wine industry and also in yeah. the craft beer industry totally. here in northern Baja. Do you have some some favorites on both sides, the wine Yeah, and I mean, you know, side? that's one of the really cool things about being here on in Rancho Mogor is my favorite wines in the valley are produced in Cabo Zamogor. You know, approximately 150 meters that way. Mm -hmm. So that's that's something that really, you know, what is it? The the badger builds his home in the in the prairie dog town mm -hmm. kind mm -hmm. of thing. I'm not a badger, and they're not prairie dogs, but it's it's. I guess it's a little similar. Uh, mm -hmm. Aguamala for sure is my favorite brewery. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and the you know this, we got away from some of the, our original commitments to working directly. Uh, you know, only using estate wines, only working with Aguamala. And as we grew, the relationships with those producers became less intense. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things from the closure mm -hmm. uh, is we rededicated ourselves to uh, less is more. Mm -hmm. Um a smaller selection mm -hmm. of higher quality mm -hmm. and and it's really uh, in the two and a half weeks that we've been reopened has really been received well mm -hmm. um, and it's cool with the QR code now is, is I can change I the it. I can change the menu 16 times a day if I want to yeah that's cool. I know isn't that so cool so we start in the morning we've got three bottles of this we never have to say at the table oh we're out of that right mm -hmm. you just go and click erase yep. and upload it and done and and so that's that's uh, you know those are all, all all really and it's way way more responsible. I mean, mm -hmm. think about all the paper and the mm -hmm. the cost of the menu holders and the mm -hmm. printing and the oh yeah. Uh, and so so you know there's some sustainability things, responsibility issues that are coming out of out of this closure that are that are really positive. Except for now, we have a lot of waste of paper bags that we have to put the silverware in and stuff right. like that. Mm -hmm. But um, and and then for us in the U in the U S is is the plastic i mean sure. it's uh oh, that, it's not that just in the u.s me. it's yeah. everywhere it, it, it really does kill me especially when you go to the stores and you can't bring your own bags but that's yeah i mean i think that there are clearly there are some positives especially when it comes to the experience and like you said uh you know just having less is more you know i think that we all even as a consumer we now know that when we go to a, a restaurant you know they may not have what we're used to you kind of this is what we have and we're all very appreciative like there's right. no more what you're out of this we're like well, what you only have that left we'll take it i mean that yeah, yeah. yeah and that 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 you know then that feels that that feels good to, to to be able to just you know let all of you do your thing because as consumers we are just so appreciative to be able to come back out and and to enjoy and to support um so we appreciate everything that you're doing 
Thank you. Yeah. What um, What are some of the other projects that you're working on outside of Deckman's? Uh, so we have Deckman's, which is the mothership. Mm-hmm. Uh, right behind where I'm sitting is Bajo Makase. Mm-hmm. This uh, right, right there. there. Oh, okay. And so that opened in November. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, uh, I, I associated myself with uh, Chef Toshi, mm-hmm. uh, who's formerly of Toshi Toshi in 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 Tijuana. Mm-hmm. So it's a Japanese omakase experience that uh, has two seatings a day, maximum twelve people, mm-hmm. and it's like sixteen courses. Oh, wow. And uh, with all we have, there's. Uh, Mexican sake made in Culiacan that's really good, Nami sake. Nice. So that's, uh, we use, they, they make three different kinds of sakes, and then Aguamala produced a, a rice-based beer, like a Japanese lager for us for oh, the project. Nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, that's cool. And then we use some wines and some mezcals. Uh, and and it's, it's a tuna-free omakase, oh. because we're really, you know, 100% Baja seafoods mm-hmm. and only sustainable uh, trap or line caught seafoods. Okay. Uh, so there's no there's no tuna, there's no bluefin. You know, people. It's an endangered species, and mm-hmm. and local chefs keep celebrating it because it happens to be produced here locally. Well, local does not necessarily mean sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you get offered bluefin tuna, mm-hmm. please text me the name of the restaurant. How is bluefin tuna being caught now? Uh, it's netted with a seine net towed back here and then fattened like a like a cow ranch mm-hmm. so not only are you capturing apex predators mm-hmm. you're now capturing all the ground fish mm-hmm. uh sardines mackerel anchovies um and the last figures i saw i think it's a 17 to 1 food ratio so 17 kilos of sardines to produce one kilo of size uh increase in a tuna wow. so tell me that's sustainable wow uh, what were you saying uh you were saying if you um if you hear of any you're, you're saying if, right, you, so if you hear of any but sell them you know uh-huh. text me the name of the restaurant so i can i can troll them and then and then we have uh, we have conscious de piedra okay. which is our our seafood bar mm-hmm. that's in uh, casa de piedra uh that's not yet reopened mm-hmm. Uh, we're looking probably middle to the end of August mm-hmm. um, because, you know, one of the things, it's all communal tables, so we have to figure out a solution for communal tables. Yeah. Uh, and that's basically, if it doesn't come out of a shell, we don't serve it. So mm-hmm. it's only uh, Champenoise-style wines from Ugura Costa, mm-hmm. from Casa de Piedra, and, um, and, and mollusks. Mm-hmm. So oysters, abalone, scallops, clams, uh, gooey ducks... Uh, mussels. We just it, we some hot, some cold, mm-hmm. uh, some raw, some cooked, mm-hmm. um, and so those are the three current projects. Mm-hmm. We're in the process of uh, actually we have the first design meeting today, mm-hmm. um, uh, opening a restaurant called Botanica, mm-hmm. um, which will be um, more of a tasting menu mm-hmm. situation um, and vegetable centric. Mm-hmm. Not vegetarian. Will that be on this property? No, it'll no. be in another property. It's it hasn't yet been announced, uh, but uh, in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't want to get on an airplane to go to my restaurants. I'd rather. Oh, just I don't know <laughs> if it was in Sanada. No, no. I, I like I like being here close. Yeah. Uh, and do you in, live here? Uh, yeah, yeah, I live uh, about point uh, seven miles that way. Okay. Mm. We actually were able to acquire a parcel, a part of the of of 
Rancho Mogor. Mm-hmm. So uh, know, three or four years ago, we mm-hmm. bought the land from Natalia. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's uh, it's about 12 acres, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. and we actually this is our second week living in the new house. Nice. Oh, nice! So it's not finished. Yeah. yeah. But we finished it's part never, of it. It's never going to be finished. Well, no, but we we you know when the when the when we the closure happened, it was like okay. Yeah. We stopped paying rent. We moved into my in-laws uh, bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. So basically lived in a hotel for four months mm-hmm. and and concentrated on finishing two rooms, mm-hmm. running water bathrooms, electricity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can, and that's where we are now. So yeah. we're they're basically sitting in cinder block mm-hmm. kitchen uh, cooking on a camp chef, mm-hmm. you know, a little gas burner uh, and <laughs> and then once the world kicks back in and mm-hmm. there's some fluidity mm-hmm. uh we'll finish the house yeah so have your uh how old are your children uh i have four children my oldest son is 22 years old mm-hmm. he's a chef in san diego I was gonna, oh where uh at uh farmer and the seahorse in la jolla oh, okay. uh, nice. they just his his operating company just took over that restaurant and and they're in the process of of, of reopening that my second son is 19 mm-hmm. uh he's in the united states marine corps nice. stationed at 29 palms ura uh, and then my daughter Matilda is four and a half, oh. <laughs> and my son Jacques is two. Oh, and it's a it's a it's a mess. <laughs> so they're uh, you know Jack's just now he's starting to he's talking a lot and he re- repeats everything you say, which oh. you know he's walks around saying fuck fuck yeah, yeah. fuck, and and it's like no fudge yeah and so you can't and he goes fuck he didn't get that it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's 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 sort of funny to see a two and a half year old say that yeah until you have like guests over uh-huh. and what did he say he said fudge yeah. and uh but uh you know now they're 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 old enough now that they're playing together mm-hmm. and 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 they you know it's it's no longer jack's a baby right. it's there's their team now yeah right until one until, of them, oh, until say, one of them takes the ipad right say, and then and then, and then it's, it's and then they, uh, yeah exactly until then team, they, teamwork right. goes out the window right have Correct. you uh, ever had conversations with your oldest son about potentially working here? um you know we tried it he worked here for a while both my sons spent summers with me mm. since um since they were young mm-hmm. right yeah. and uh they worked they're both excellent cooks mm-hmm. um and uh, the time that we spent together uh, allowed uh, Sam, as my oldest son, the, the, the cook, to, to figure out that we're not quite ready to work together yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So it didn't, right. it didn't really work out. Right. Um, it's not lack of, but it's just, it, imagine, I can't imagine working can't for my know. dad. No, I couldn't mm-hmm. either. You know, I mean, it's like, especially because, uh, you know, being a chef is, is, is an art. And so, like, you know, you, especially when you're at that age, you want to have your own. You know, you know, you want to be able to, to have, a, I, I mean, I, I, I understand, I understand that. You know, they're, they're still so young, you know, when you're in your 20s. I think it's, you know. Oh, he knows everything. I don't, I don't, right. know, I don't know anything. Right. <laughs> right. So it's like, you're not going to tell me what to do. Good. Yeah. Then you go work someplace else, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because that's not how it's going to work here. Right. And, uh, and, and he's done it. He's gone out that's and he great. spent some time with Gary Danko in San Francisco. He worked at Ironside. Nice. And now he's, uh, he's got his own kitchen that he's taken over. So that's, so cool. uh, you know, he's been cooking since he was seven. Right. Oh, really? So it's not like, hey, he's 22 years old with 
you know, how can you have any experience? Well, dude, I've been cooking with my dad since I was seven years old. Yeah. Seven right? Years. So. I've got a lot of experience. <laughs> as, yeah. You know, and, and, uh, and, I, and I don't think you really, you know, my only concern is that uh, you, you sort of stop learning to a certain extent when you become in charge. Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of taking the time, hey, I'm 22, I can travel the world, I can go cook anywhere else I want, yeah. and it doesn't matter because I'm just learning. Mm-hmm. I think when you make that commitment to be somebody else's leader, mm-hmm. you they're looking now to you to yeah. teach them. And if you haven't quite filled your own right. learning potential yet, yeah. well, I mean, you never stop learning. Right. I, I learn something every day. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, it, it becomes increasingly difficult, I think, that you you may plateau faster uh, by choosing to be in a leadership position too young. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? I understand what you're saying. It kind of goes back to COVID too. These last four or five months have allowed probably a lot of people, not just in your industry, but in all industries, the opportunity to take a step back and experiment and brainstorm and come up with new ideas yeah i think before, it's yeah totally i mean an unbelievable said, time of uh, creativity yeah with, without a doubt no? yeah correct well i have one random question for you Are you a sports fan yeah what's your favorite sport baseball baseball and oh, who's boy. your favorite team uh i like seeing a good game okay uh but i've become a padres fan from living here for the time for living here and, and, and he what a great ballpark what a great place there. to see a game yeah uh, I go to twenty or thirty games a year. Yeah, are you a Braves fan too? Uh, I grew up a Braves fan, yeah. totally. Yeah. You know, and I yeah. they got a great club now. Yeah, I I mean I remember, and so I was. Let's see, I remember I was seven or eight years old when I had like a transistor radio AM, and I would sneak it into bed, and I would listen, I would listen to Skip Carey. Yeah. On TBS on or, or no on a radio, oh, on a radio in my radio, bed because yeah. it was bedtime yeah, 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 yeah. and I would lay in bed and I'd listen to the game. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is 1978. Yeah. They yeah. sucked. Yeah. They were horrible. But then they had the the 13 and 0 start or whatever it was, and then you know, and then they got to a you know got to a playoff game, and yeah. then and then and then it just took off, and then they were yeah. really good for a long time. So I was able to. Uh, still lived in the South when when uh, when they got really good. I went to a World Series game, you know, yeah. things like that. It was like, wow, cool. Yeah. I mean, they are, that's one franchise. While they haven't won it all, you know, they haven't won a bunch of championships and everything. They've always been so consistent. Yeah. I mean, going back to the Glavin and Maddox. Yeah. Days oh no, that Schmaltz, was that was. There's, there's like 30 years of sustained winning. Yeah. Whereas a lot of clubs, you know, it's ebb and flow. Yeah, it's a down. peak. We got to get a whole bunch of people. Let's go win the World Series. And then they... And then four years later, and then know, they, they suck try again. to come back yeah. up. But they've just had this nice trajectory. I, I, I don't know what it is because I don't follow like their front office as closely probably as you, but... I don't need more. I mean, I, it, for me, it's yeah. it's the Padres and... Have you been to see the Toros? Uh, I have not. Yeah. Um, yeah, like it sort of scares me, Tijuana yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, you mean you've never been to a Cholos game? I, I've been to one, oh, but yeah. I was a guest of the owner. Okay. And oh, so yeah. it was a very different experience. Different. Oh my God, uh, we were there for opening day last year. I mean, yeah. How crazy is that? We were like, yeah, no, that's that's just, uh, you know, I'm not into fights in the parking lot and stuff like that. So that I just kind of. Yeah, that was such an, a crazy experience. Oh, there's a Banda. I, I'm a I, big, I was a big Charger fan. I'm not anymore, but. Yeah. 
had a tailgate for you can't see my fingers in the air (laughs) i mean it's it's taken me years to just get over it the past three years but we used to have these big tailgates and everything we'd invite opposing fans to come to our tailgate because it's just it's fun for us we loved it but it was um going to a cholos game you're in the parking lot and there's a lion right next to you right or there's these, these siberian tigers there it's like it's crazy you know, you know what was so interesting is when i went to the game is seeing the food that they that they sell you know i ne- i had never you know like i remember looking at this what looked like beef jerky with like lime and uh-huh. you know so people were like it's so you know that was so i was like what are they eating and like I had no. I still yeah. don't know what it, it was. was. A fun experience for us. <laughs> I, still have no idea. I go to the Marineros games here in Ensenada. Oh, do you? So that's a okay. baseball team here, and and uh, they've been pretty good the last couple of years. But it's like it's like watching good double A. Yeah. You know, and and they're good. It's fun. Yeah. You know, and you know the guy remembers how many beers you had, and he charges you at the end of the game, and yeah. and you know that's that's yeah. kind of cool. It's like how do you remember? I said I count your cups under your chair. Uh-huh. I said I put them with my wife's, and it's like it doesn't matter. I count the cups under your chair. Okay. Uh-huh. But. Uh, that's so cool. That's funny. Well, we, we really appreciate your time. Um, might want to just mention your handles. You're at Baja Fishing Chef. At Baja Fishing Chef, Twitter and uh, Instagram. Okay. Uh, restaurant is Deckman's in Emogor. Okay. Uh, and then from there you can find Conchas de Piedra and Bajo Macase. Mm-hmm. It's basically just at the name of the restaurant on yeah. all of them. Well, we really appreciate your time. It's been fun to... to Thanks. Yeah, enjoyed the conversation. It's a good way to start a, a busy Saturday. Yeah, yes. yeah. Well, good luck. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you. Voz de la guitarra mía Al despertar la mañana Quiere cantar su alegría A mi tierra 